hello and welcome to the Clean Bill of Wealth podcast for Canadian doctors. I am your host, Galen Nuttall. Join me as I interview doctors and related professionals and talk about what it takes to achieve wealth in this, the Great White North. Not just wealth as measured by a bank account, but also family, faith, and health. Be sure to go to galenhelpsdocs.com. That is G-A-L-E-N. That's how my name is spelled. Helpsdocs.com to get access to my free video series where I uncover the top myths about growing your wealth as a doctor. North of the wall. Now, please enjoy the show. Welcome to a Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I am your host, Galen Nuttall. Today, I am joined by Mark Noble. Mark is a lawyer at Templeton in Belleville and works with a lot of doctors, which is the topic of the conversation today. What does incorporation look like for doctors? Uh, Mark, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And that was a very brief intro. Anything else you'd like to add around um, you know, how you got into becoming a lawyer, a little bit more about yourself? Well, I am originally from uh, southwestern Ontario and um, got into um, law school after working several years as a commercial realtor in, uh, in southwestern Ontario. And you know, my wife and I were looking for a change of pace, something with a little more um, steady income. And I've always had the idea of being a lawyer in the back of my mind as a, as a way of you know, uh, really adding value to the people that I, uh, that I interact with, the businesses that I interact with. And so I, I took a flyer. I studied at night when I was working, wrote the LSAT and said, you know, look, if I do okay on it and it's enough to get in, then I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> and I did. And, you know, kind of here we are. I uh, went to Queens and uh, graduated there and, um, and got connected with, uh, with this firm, which is um, you know, probably the biggest one between Toronto and Ottawa. Knew that uh, the big city life wasn't for me and my family, and so we decided to stay here. And luckily enough, got connected with one of the best uh, commercial corporate lawyers uh, in the area. And he's been training me for the last you know, three, four, geez, going on five years now. And here we are. Very good. And so most of your practice or time is spent with some sort of a corporation, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we would be corporate and commercial lawyers or solicitors. So if you've got something to do about uh, suing somebody, I'll you know pass it to the folks downstairs on the right. litigation floor. <laughs> you won't see me uh, you know making cool courtroom submissions, things like that. We're we're doing we're setting up companies, we're helping businesses transition from one generation to the next. If somebody wants to buy a practice, sell a practice, if their accountants are telling them that you know they need to do certain things in order to uh, plan for taxes and things like that. We'll um, we'll, we'll get into the minutia of that and, and set it up for them. Yeah, very good. And or if like a doctor's doing uh, you know buying a building, if a doctor is leasing space, needs help reviewing contracts with suppliers, there's um, financing that's getting involved for the purchase of some big equipment, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And. Uh, this is an unsolicited uh, plug for Mark. Uh, Mark has helped me. You've helped me with a few things. And what I like about your approach is when I bring something to the table, you don't just kind of read through it and say, okay, good to go. You ask me like, you know, what is, what's going on here? What's a little bit more background on this? Like, I don't, um, I feel like a lot of times uh, it can happen where a professional just kind of, uh, kind of does, I, I guess, like, just to put it in the context of my role, people come to me saying they want to do things, but before we do them, I need to know why. I need to know a little bit more about the background, not just from a uh, personal need-to-understand standpoint, but also from, a, uh, like, to make sure I'm doing the right thing for the client. And I've definitely experienced that with you, and I bring things to the table around different things of um, properties and things like that we've dealt with. Um, 
So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Um, so when it comes to doctors, um, you know, I meet doctors and a lot of times I ask them, why did you incorporate? And this is more on the, you know, usually what they say is they either say, you know, everyone's doing it <laughs> or they say uh, my accountant told me to or someone told me to or to save taxes, you know. And so I think that there's a lot of I actually got an email two days ago from a client of mine who's a resident physician. And she's like, yeah, we need to talk because I always point out to them, like, these are the steps like someday you're going to incorporate and we're going to these are the signs. But I guess, you know, what what at what point in time would a doctor you know, would it make sense for a doctor to get in touch with you? And I know there's lots of different types of doctors from chiropractors to vets to dentists to, to um, physicians. But in general speaking, like, is there a point in time when it says, okay, these signs all point to incorporation? Yeah, I think there is. And, you know, all the cool doctors are doing it with tops <laughs> on my list. But um, there, there definitely are. Um, and I thought just before I get into, you know, terms of you know right, things right. that I talk about all the time as a, as a lawyer. I hate the idea of I'm just throwing stuff around and what the heck does that guy mean by that? I thought I'd define some of those yeah, so yeah. that can inform the, the, the talk later. So you know, some of the, the commonly used terms here are things like sole proprietor. Mm -hmm. What the heck is that? It's, that just means an individual, a proprietor, uh, or an owner that is personally running a business, meaning they're buying, selling, uh, in the case of a physician or a, a professional, providing service. They're running a business on their own. A corporation is different. It's a business entity that's authorized by, uh, by a government body. It's, uh, it, it's, it, it's really, it's an abstract idea, but it's sanctioned by the state, in this case, the province of Ontario. The corporation is owned by its shareholders and it's recognized as existing separately from its owner shareholders. Mm -hmm. So it has its own bank account, the, it being the corporation. The corporation owns property. The corporation enters into contracts. If your landlord is pissed off at the corporation, it sues the corporation, not you, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Uh, it borrows money. It files its tax returns. Yeah, no, it's helpful. Definitely. I'm glad you did that because I, I definitely wouldn't want to fall in the trap of slinging these things around. And one thing I'll say is that helped me understand. Well, I sound like a pompous ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I need to check some Latin for that. phrases in there while I <laughs> Yeah, yeah, habeas corpus and all that stuff. Um, so the thing that helped me around corporation, like I was working with when I first started as an advisor and I understood that certain types of you know, professionals can incorporate, like I found it very confusing, but help, like you said, it has its own bank account. It, it's an abstract idea, but it is an entity separate from the individual. And the one thing that I heard not too long ago, which helped me a little bit was, you know, now I'm going to throw on some Latin, uh, corp coming from the Latin word for body. So like it's yeah. a separate body, so to speak, a yeah. separate entity. So that kind of helped me visualize it. Cause I remember when I started, it was so abstract. And I heard people talking about shareholder agreements and shares and classes of shares. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, what are we even actually talking about here? But yeah, like it's its own thing. It's got its own, and like you said, it, it, had, it, it itself enters into dealings with other entities or other people. So, no, it's a very helpful way to sort of kick it off. I think as you know, society got more and more complex. People wanted to do some, um, you know, get into you know business arrangements like you know sending ships to the Middle East to return with spices. And I thought, well, shoot, this thing is really risky. I don't want to put all of my life savings and my my farm and my you know home and everything 
into the pot with all of that risk. We want to do you know something separate. Isn't there a way I can just you know pool my money with somebody else and we can, you know, that'll be the extent of our risk if we if we lose it. Um, you know, if the, the ship goes to the bottom of the ocean, all we lose is our initial investment. And people started to realize that this is an effective way to do business to incentivize people to actually do it and take risks. And so mm, you know, the, the law of it just sort of developed around around that idea. Mm -hmm. um, and the other things you, you know, I think are important to this conversation are the ideas of a, of a tax deferral and mm -hmm. of active and passive income. Um, I'm going to try hard not to, to stray into uh, into the accounting arena, uh, but it, it's just it's part of the discussion. Um, so a tax deferral is the idea that you can uh, delay, not avoid the payment of personal taxes for a time by uh, holding and using profits inside of a corporation, which pays taxes at a lower marginal rate than the typical physician would on uh, you know, personally earned employment income. Um, and, or if in the case of a corporation, those, you know, those profits were just simply paid out to the physician uh, as salary or as a dividend. And then the idea of active income. The Canada Revenue Agency um, defines income, uh, well one of the ways it does is active income versus passive income. Active income is the income that you, a physician, would earn from OHIP, from billing a client, from providing you know, services um, to, to a patient. Act, or sorry, passive income would be if you owned uh, the medical building and you rented it out to, you know, three other docks on the bottom floor. That rental income would be passive income. Active income is typically taxed at a much more attractive rate because the government is using its tax policy to incentivize, you know, act, doing active business because it's good for the economy. So that's another concept. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, and so one of the things that going a long no, way no, to answer your question no, about no, it's good, why it's good. do no, no, corporate or, or why corporate or incorporate or be a sole proprietor? Yeah, so I mean, like kind of what you brought up, like if someone is making, um, you know, so it doesn't take long in Canada to get to the point where your personal income is taxed at fifty percent. Yeah, you know, once you get two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, you're yeah. right there. So once you get there, every dollar after that, you're basically losing half or more to taxes. They're fifty cent dollars. Yeah, fifty cent dollars. When you have a corporation, the corporation earns money at a much lower. The money that comes in is taxed at a much lower rate, and then you have control over what to do with that money before you take it out personally to use it. And I remember getting, one of the first questions I ever got when I got in front of a doctor years ago when I started as an advisor was, "How should I pay myself?" or uh, should I invest inside my corporation or should I take money out and invest it outside? And I remember thinking at the time, these are very complex questions and traditional uh, sort of mainstream financial advice is really wrapped up in much more simple things like TFSA versus RSP, you know, like much more simple things that are good to think of. But that's when I realized, wow, corporate planning has a whole different, it's a whole different ball of wax because they're even wondering how they should be paying themselves, how much to keep inside. So it's a much more complex thing. But I think at the end of the day, what you're bringing up is there's a lot more control around the way the income comes in, and there's a lot of tax deferral opportunities. Yeah, there is. Um, I think like when you're a, when we're talking about physicians who are self-employed, who are out and opening a practice, or thinking about it, or have already opened a practice. There's there's two options really. There's the sole proprietor and there's a corporation. Mm. There's different structures if you are you know, with a group of physicians, um, you know, but that's you know, probably beyond the scope of what we're we're talking about here. But you, you get into 
into partnership type arrangements okay. and, uh, and things like that. But I, I won't drone on about that, I promise. <laughs> um, and I talk about self-employed because if you're, uh, many physicians work in a hospital and they're an employee mm -hmm. of the hospital. And the option of incorporating really isn't an option for um, a physician at a hospital who's just an employee because the government's going to turn around and, and say, well, you can't just call yourself a corp and defer taxes on your employment income and pay you know lesser tax than you would have as an employee. Mm. No. Okay. Um, we'll call you a personal services uh, corporation and we'll just, you know, we'll tax you at the highest rate anyway. So you know, that's not really an option for, pe for people who just mm, work in the hospital. It. So the group that we're talking about is is the that self-employed, uh, you know, business um, owner position. Mm -hmm. And so you look at, well, why would a, why would a doc choose to, or a physician choose to practice at, in a sole proprietorship? Mm -hmm. well, I think the biggest reason is it, it's easy. I mean, you call yourself Margaret Medical Doctor and you just start seeing patients and billing. Um, you don't have to go to a law office. You don't have to pay a lawyer. You don't have mm -hmm. to go see your accountant. Uh, you don't have to pay any government filing fees. I'm talking myself at a business here. There's no, <laughs> there's no corporate tax returns. There's no separate license from the College of Physicians and Surgeons. Um, you know, you don't you have to use terms in your daily life like dividend and minute book and resolution and articles of incorporation. And, and for some people, it's just brain damage. I, I just mm -hmm. want a doctor. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, OHIP pays the money to my bank account and I'm going to pay my expenses out of my bank account. And I'm going to file my taxes once a year when everybody else does. Mm -hmm. And that's that, um, you know. And the, the kind of physician who, 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 you know, it's a personal choice and you know, typically the, the physicians who are saying, okay, sole proprietor really is just the best thing for me are the ones you, you're looking at it and saying, at least maybe in the first few years of your practice, well, mm. I, I need all the money I'm going to earn in mm. this practice to live on anyway. So there's no real tax deferral. I can't hold money in the corporation because it got to pay my rent or I have to pay mm -hmm. my mortgage mm -hmm. or the kids need uh, clothes and, and that kind of stuff. And so... There's there's no tax savings for right. me, which fair enough there may not be. So so that's one of the signs is like if someone, especially in the early years when they're still paying down lots of debt, getting started in practice. You know, I've, I always find that when you go from student to practicing doctor, there's a bit of a bridge there of kind of sorting things out. Like when I work with residents that are transitioning into practice, it's like let me get a year under my belt to get a feel for expenses, and oftentimes yeah. they're moving at that time. I mean, or they're joining a practice. I mean, there's a lot yeah. going on. So, but certainly that's something I've heard, like sort of a common theme, or at least sounds like you're saying is, if you're spending everything you're making, the incorporation may not make as much sense because you're gonna have to spend money to incorporate. You're gonna have to spend money to get the books, keep the books going. Um, but when you get to, so then would it be more of, oh, I'm getting to a point where I'm not spending everything I'm earning. I'm actually saving. Then should I look at incorporating so I can have a bit more control over how I'm paying those taxes? Right. That's one of the signs. I would okay. say that it's you know, maybe time to start thinking about it. Um, if you're a physician who is, or any professional who has a corporation, the corporation say earns, you know, one hundred and twenty thousand dollars of, of it's make one hundred twenty thousand dollars of profit after all the expenses are paid, and it's great. It's going to pay thirteen and a half percent on that one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Awesome, but that money is inside the corporation, mm -hmm. and the individual shareholder that owns 
the business can't use it because it's you know any more yeah. than you can use my money. Um, so, right. stay out of my bank account. Um, so the the idea is then all right. Well, how do you get that money out to the the, the physician, the shareholder, owner of of the corporation? Well, you've either got to pay it as a dividend or as salary. And so if you just went and had and paid that you know one hundred twenty thousand dollars out because I need money to live on, then well, the corporation now has going to you know have zero in uh, profit because that $120,000 salary payment is an expense on its uh, financial statements. And now you, the physician, have $120,000 of employment income you've just earned and you just pay taxes on it in the, the ordinary course. Yeah. Okay, well, why the heck did I pay you, lawyer, to incorporate me a company <laughs> just to do that? Mm -hmm. um, there's other reasons we'll talk about that, but from a tax perspective, it doesn't make right. sense that way. Whereas if you know, you double or triple um, that you get up to say earning $500,000 and you only need $120,000 or $100,000 to live on, then the only, the only money that you pay yourself out as a, a physician, as a the shareholder would be $120,000 and you keep the other $400,000 in the corporation. And that's where the tax deferral and the tax saving comes from. If you paid that five hundred thousand as a sole proprietor, your only option is to just write that down on your your income tax statement and file it and pay the taxes on that, and it would be around two hundred and thirty five thousand dollars in taxes yeah. at that at your top marginal rate. Because again, once you're over two fourteen two hundred fourteen thousand, that's you know fifty three fifty five percent. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a, you know, there's calculators you can find all over the place that will show you the difference, but it's around, you know, 60 or $70,000 of tax savings at that, at those right. numbers. And then the idea is, is that inside the corporation, you know, you can think of those as, um, you know, 70, it's going to be 76 cent dollars, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to 50 cent dollars. Right. And that money will go a lot further to doing things like paying the employees, um, paying for uh, equipment leases, renovating the building. Right. You've got more money available uh, to do that, to invest in the right. company. And it's certainly, like there's certainly a, a wide array of, especially when I say the word doctor, I mean, you've got from the from what I find, like the, the simplest version of the medical professional corporation or the professional corporation is when I find a doctor who is a still self-employed, um, but doesn't need their own practice or a building, like for example, a, um, a radiologist, for example, mm -hmm. um, you know, as opposed to the family doc, doesn't need the clinic necessarily, doesn't need staff necessarily, mm -hmm. doesn't need a whole lot of things. So that's like the super simple version of the corporation. And then the more complex is, you know, as you were saying, the multiple, um, you know, like let's say there's a dentist owning a building with staff and equipment and all sorts of things. So it's interesting the different range of potential complexities. Like there's the very simple uh, with like the one doctor doing their thing and, you know, having a corporation that doesn't really own a lot of stuff to the one where they've got a corporation owning all sorts of things. And um, certainly at the end of the day, to be a, to be a sole proprietor and trying to own, have a corporate, you know, have a business owning all sorts of things certainly starts to make much less sense from a tax standpoint, like to have to take personal dollars to buy all those things or to like, to pay people and yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 
And as the practice gets more complicated, and it really depends on the nature of your, your practice, you know, how many third parties are you interacting with? You know, what kind of a, you know, equipment leases do you have? If it's really just, you know, if you, you don't have a lot of employees, if you don't have a lot of interactions with you know, third parties like that, there, there may not be a whole lot of liability risk on, on you mm. operating as a sole proprietor. And those are things I'd sit down with somebody and talk about. Right. What is your risk tolerance? I mean, the, the, the tax savings of it are, are, are fine, but you know, I'm not an accountant. I right. know enough about those to yeah, yeah. You know, speak a little bit about them and to identify them as an issue. But um, you know, for, from the legal side of it, what we're really concerned about is the risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how, do we, how do we manage the risk of, that's involved in the practice? And unless you sit down with somebody and figure out, okay, what, uh, you know, what is the nature of your practice? Who are, what kind of patients are you seeing? How many employees do you have? That, those kind of things, you, you don't know that. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's something you, you've got to evaluate. But as the, the risk factors go up and as your personal tolerance for risk goes up, uh, incorporating, you know, makes more sense. You know, maybe it might not make sense on a tax side, but if you're the kind of person that sits up at night and thinks, you know, shoot, I've got all these obligations to creditors mm-hmm. and if things don't go so well, my house is exposed to mm-hmm. that liability because somebody's going to come and put a lien on it if I don't make the payments. Ah, right. You know, that's something that incorporating, you know, helps to put an extra layer of defense between you and those creditors. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you look at things like you know, typical liabilities in a, in a professional practice, you know, be like employee claims, claims from you know, people you borrowed money to buy equipment from, the equipment suppliers themselves maybe, landlords, um, you know, slip and fall type accidents at your, at your practice, um, you know, claims from people that supply you, you know, equipment, you know, disputes of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you're going to have insurance to cover off, you know, some of those things, but uh, I tend to look at this as needing to put, you think about protection from liability in layers. Mm. So, you know, having good contracts with your employees would be one layer of a defense against a claim from the employee. Having insurance would be a layer of protection against the slip and fall you know, type accidents. Uh, incorporating would be another layer because, you know, at the end of the day, um, if somebody slips and falls on, on your premises and say for some reason you know coverage is is denied or, or something you know happens the incor- the corporation gets sued and you don't get sued personally because the corporation is the tenant the corporation is the mm-hmm. landlord or the building owner um, and you know, if you're doing it right the corporation doesn't own your house so the again the idea is you know just like those shipping magnets back in the 1600s mm-hmm. if the ship goes down the only thing that goes down with it is the money that you've invested into it, not your life savings, not your um, your house, and, and, and those kind of things. Right. So you know that that's one of the the big legal reasons to incorporate it is is you're concerned about that kind of liability. Um, you know, other things like you know, if you fancy calling yourself president, well, there you go. If you're the <laughs> if you're uh, setting up a you know a medical professional corporation. You're going to be the sole, you know, you may be the sole shareholder. You, you're going to appoint yourself as the director and, uh, and you're going to be the president. Um, you know, you're, you're the tax reasons, you're self-employed. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, I am paying a lot of taxes and there's got to be a better way mm-hmm. I can save for my retirement. You're covering your living expenses and you've got money to spare. You've got family members who may want to be called, 
involved in the business or already are in some level. They're, um, you know, maybe a spouse is uh, providing bookkeeping. Your husband is is doing some uh, some upkeep around the uh, around the building, and he's not earning an income elsewhere because he's taking time off to to support you and your practice. Right. And, um, <clears throat> man, it would be nice if we if I could pay him out of the the corporation and he would pay taxes at a much lower rate than I would. Right, uh, right, because he's actually providing a service to the corporation. Absolutely. So the corporation can pay him as a, uh, pay for his services. And, Absolutely. Yeah. I like what you said about the different layers. I never thought of it that way, but I like that. And so from legal... You get back to the Middle Ages, the, the yeah. kings, uh, they, they built a moat, then they built the walls, and they built, <laughs> you know... Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so the corporation is like this moat, the separation between the individual's property, the individual's, like you're saying, if someone slips and falls at a practice that's an incorporated practice the like you know, so me galen nuttall versus galen nuttall medicine medicine professional corporation yes like i got nothing to do like you slipped and fell that's my corporation like that's owning that property and is running that it's not like my house is not part of what's at stake if uh, anything goes south right not any more than my house is right right it's completely separate yeah, yeah. and then that's one of the you know the the key points of a corporation saying it's a a separate legal entity like that's one of the things where you like you go to law school and you learn about that oh corporation is a separate thing well mm. what the heck does that actually mean mm. when the rubber right. hits the road well here is the rubber hitting the road and that's right. how it affects somebody in, in their life and so yeah that's that's one of the the key reasons mm-hmm. um and i mean the extra paperwork may you know doesn't bother you if it means paying less uh, less taxes would be another you know thing you kind of think about and you know do I incorporate or not? Um, I'd rather pay my lawyer than the bloody CRA. You know? <laughs> um, I mean, like I don't. Typical cost of incorporating would be mm-hmm. around you know fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars, which includes taxes, you know, at least at our office and. Um, uh, the government filing fees. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be a few extra fees for the CPSO, College of Physicians, for you know issuing certificates, and there's um, you're going to pay an extra tax return each year because you now have a separate person. Mm-hmm. That separate person has to file its taxes, right. um, and so th- those are kind of be the the, the costs that will happen initially, and then on, on an ongoing mm-hmm. uh, basis, you've got to maintain that company. Right, because then it has to start like that. That company has minutes. Like, has you have to file something every year, right, for the yeah. company? Yeah. yeah. The 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 Ontario government says, okay, fine, we'll, we'll allow you to be a limited liability uh, corporation. Um, you know, we recognize you're out there doing business. That it's risky. That there should be some tax incentives for you to do that, or else, you know, why don't we just all go and be government lawyers or sorry, government uh, doctors? And work at a hospital, and nobody would go out in private practice because mm. you think about it. I mean, it's insane. Right. You know, I could just go work at the hospital where somebody else looks after all the billings, right. and somebody else looks after all of the, you know, make sure the employees are paid and happy, and um, you know, there's a the lights turn on when I when I get here. Mm-hmm. Tell me if I go out and open up across the street, I have to do all that myself, mm-hmm. and yeah, I could yeah. get sued for doing that. No right. thanks. Yeah, yeah. And so that's sort of the reason why the Got tax it. policies are, are set up that way to incentivize it because it's it's pro-social behavior. Like mm. if you know if the if doctors didn't in, do what they do in, in small practices, you know, think about all the staff that get employed. You know, you know I would have right. fewer clients to service. You would have fewer clients to service. It would 
um, the, the services themselves are being provided to a wider um, you know, population base. It's just there's so much good that goes on there. Of course, they should be able to incorporate and right. and not have to risk their their livelihoods and their their houses mm -hmm. at the same time that they're doing that good thing. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. and get off my soapbox here. For <laughs> second, but. No, it makes sense. I'll, and I mean, it's good to hear that because I think, and uh, I mean, if looking from the outside in, sometimes people say, "Oh, this is these are all just loopholes." You know, these are all just shelters, and I don't want to get too into that side of things but you know to understand Galen's political podcast to understand to just understand okay I get why there should be a, a, a opportunity to incorporate for like yeah. you're saying the risk there is so high uh, just like any business owner who has a, a, a running a practice or providing a service where they can get in they can get uh, someone can get mad at them and sue them or whatever that is yeah. um, and so it's not a loophole like, yeah, yeah these are all it's, it's all legitimate um, planning that that's in the, the income tax act, yes. and you know it's it's. Well, like, yeah, in, like in this environment, quid pro is is the is the wrong term to use, mm -hmm. but that that's that's the the reason why is is the government has said and, and our our elected politicians have said we want to incentivize this thing now. Yeah. You know the rules about having family members involved and in, in doing mm -hmm. some of that tax planning have changed, you know, in the recent past and tightened yeah. up. But yeah, the, it, the the benefits are still there yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I know that it's you know uh, since I became an advisor seven years ago, there's been several changes where people started freaking out, like, oh my gosh, is this still going to make sense? Is this still going to work? And yeah, certainly there was some tightening up around you know uh, splitting income and things like that. And um, at the end of the day. I've I've yet to meet someone who shouldn't still be incorporated uh, under the circumstances I've met people under. It still made it's sense. It, it's um, it's tweaking and, yeah. and it's it's finding the balance and it, mm -hmm. it's a it's a complex balance to, to be struck. But on you know, there's the the need to to pay taxes and and, and support our social programs mm -hmm. and do all those things on the one hand, and there's the need to incentivize business and and, right. and on the other. And those, you know, depending on who's in. Um, what the government is is though and that's an ongoing discussion yeah yeah for sure and so to quickly so one of the things i just touch on you've touched on briefly but you know if someone's sitting out there a doctor's listening to this or a student is listening to this and they're wondering i wonder if i should incorporate what is that basically if they're wondering i mean is that when they say they should talk, contact you and you would ask them a series of questions be like okay you know and you'd ask them serious questions to see whether it's the right time or not yeah i would say just call like I mean I think most lawyers you know at least I know my office like if you call me and say hey I'm a doctor looking to um, you know incorporate I'm not gonna rub my hands together in an Ebenezer Scrooge kind of way and say oh goody I'm gonna start the clock let's start talking I'll just talk to you for five or ten minutes and answer a couple questions and if it looks like it's gonna go somewhere I'll stop and say hey okay you're asking me some questions I, I need to go and, you know, maybe spend a little bit of time, you know, into and are you okay with paying me some money for this before we go down that yeah. route? Um, but, you know, for just to have a five, ten minute conversation about, you know, this is what I'm thinking, you know, I think most lawyers, or at least I will point you in the right direction yeah. and say, here, think about this, what about this, what about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think people are hesitant sometimes to pick up the phone and call a professional like a lawyer. It's almost like they're, so, I mean, because there's like, am I getting charged for this? How much am I going to yeah. charge this? So it's good to be upfront about it. And I, just as an anecdote, I gave a talk a bit ago. So it was, I gave, I gave a talk with a, it was me, a lawyer, an accountant. 
And it was pretty funny because someone was asking a question and they said something like, someone said something to the effect of, we're getting a lawyer's time for free here tonight. And everyone just swarmed the lawyer after the talk <laughs> because it's like they've been given carte blanche to like go up. Yeah. And it was pretty funny. But I mean, it really hit home for me to sit there and think. Because even when I, I mean, before I became an advisor, I remember sitting down with an advisor for the first time and wondering, is he about to send me a bill for this time? And so, I mean, so I appreciate, you know, it's like you're saying, okay, you have the call, talk for a little bit. If it makes sense, okay, now let's really look at things and enter into an agreement of what I'm going to do uh, around this planning. Yeah, I mean, typically what will happen, like how do you actually incorporate? Mm -hmm. The whole process might only take a day or two. Like if you held a gun to my head right now and said, I need a medical professional corporation, like now, um, we could probably get it done in, in a day. Oh, wow, I had um, no idea. And it's, you know, as long as we can get the CPO, CPSO people to cooperate with us. Um, you know, it's going to be, I'm going to ask you who your accountant is, and we're going to get advice from, from your accountant as to, you know, what are the tax planning goals that you're looking for? Like if, you know, I'm going to ask you questions about your life. I mean, do you have kids? Do you have a spouse? And what is your husband doing? Does he earn? Is he also a doctor? You know, those kind of factors are going to play into what kind of shares does your company have and is authorized to, um, to issue? Um, it's, you know, then, you know, we're, we're going to file articles with the Ministry of Government and Consumer Services. There's going to be a certificate of corporation that, that's issued. I mean, as long as you check all the boxes um, that the, the statute says, you, you incorporate as a right. The government just can't say, no, mm. I don't like your name. And so right. we're not, well, that's a bad example. But uh, like, I, I don't like you, so I'm not going to incorporate you. If you have a name that doesn't follow the regulations, um, then they can say no, but we just changed the name. Yeah. Um, you know, then we, we're going to get together and we'll organize your company, um, set up, you know, who the officers and directors are, issue the shares in the right way that the accountant has said. Typically, the, the practicing physician will be the, the sole voting shareholder of that company. And with those votes, you control the company. You control who, um, you know, money going in and out of, of the bank accounts. It's, you know, almost the same as a sole proprietor. Yeah, um, you know, there's no loss of control for you there. Um, you set up a bank account. Um, we apply to the CPSO for a certificate of incorporation. Um, there's um, there's forms to advise OHIP that okay, the billings are not going to go to um, you know um, you know Sally. Mm, um, right. They're going to go to Sally Professional Corporation, Medical Professional Corporation. Um, you know, you're going to get um, uh, a tax number. From the CRA, um, we're going to set up the corp The accountants are going to set up your payroll and your um, and your corporate tax account, and away you go. Mm -hmm. If you've been in, if you've been in practice for ten years and you have uh, equipment and leasehold improvements and you know, a building and those things need to get moved from you personally into the corporation, there's ways mm -hmm. that we can do that on a tax um, deferred basis, meaning that you know as soon as you sell your building to your your professional corp, you know, you don't pay taxes on that. The government recognizes, okay, that's just a rollover. Mm. And, you know, eventually you'll pay, the corporation will pay taxes if they ever sell it. Um, and I guess like in, you know, the concluding thoughts I would have on that is, is once you do set up a corporation, we will help you to do things like use it properly. Um, you know, for example, it's all well and good for you to have a corporation, but if you're going in just writing up contracts with your employees, still using your own personal name. Well, 
guess who's going to get sued? Right. <laughs> and so, you know, just some, some advice on that. And then, you know, as, you know, incorporated life continues, then, you know, again, that whole, you know, call me for a five, 10 minute chat about, hey, what's going on here still applies. And if things come up, we just handle it. Right. Got but, it. but mostly you're, you're just practicing and seeing your accountant once a year and and filing some paperwork once a year and away you go. Right. Very good. And so, yeah, once it's set up, it's fairly straightforward. And one last thing I'll touch on, and you'd mentioned uh, that this could, this will deserve an episode all its own, but um, a corporate, uh, so people call them corporate wills or dual wills. That's something that should also be considered because now that you've got this separate entity, it should actually have its own will, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not the corporation that has the will. Mm. Uh, the idea is, is that um, when it comes to uh, estate planning, if you have, um, and I, you know, disclaimer, I mean, I, I'm not an estates lawyer. We have, we have specialists on that. But the idea at a high level on doing um, a, a separate will would be that you have a will that covers all of the assets that you own that you know you're not going to need um, the court's approval or that your executors are not going to need the court's approval to deal with. Hmm. So, you know, for instance, if you own a house and you pass away, um, you're going to need um, you know, typically authorization from the court to or order to sell that house. Yep. Shares of a private corporation, like your medical professional corporation, are different. You don't need the court's approval to do that as long as you're authorized under the will. The, as, far, as long as the executor is authorized under the will to do it. Right. And so, but the problem becomes is if you have one will and there's just one measly part of your estate that requires probate. Um, to, mm. to deal with, everything requires probate. Mm. And so that lumps it all into the probate process, which exposes the your estate to um, uh, you know, estate administration tax, to potential claims from creditors. It's, and it's just a messier and it's a longer process. Whereas if you have two wills, um, they, we call them corporate wills and all other asset wills, the idea is we're going to put all of the assets that we know don't require probate into one will, meaning we're going to have it. The authority to deal with those assets is set out specifically in that will, and it authorizes the executor to deal with it. And so someone asks, well, how are you have authority to transfer the shares of this corporation? Well, this will says I do. Mm. That's fine. And so then you avoid the risk of having your medical corporation lumped in with the rest of the, the estate. Right. And it kind of goes on like that. So it's, it's something to, to consider and just, mm-hmm. just even the, having a will, um, itself is, is right. just good planning and good practice. Right. You're going to, as a professional, you need to think about things like having specific powers of attorney to deal with what happens if you get sick and are unable to practice for a while, who's going to look after the patients, the client files, you know, and in your will, same idea who's who's there what's your succession plan for that sort of thing hmm. got it very cool perfect well i think that's that's definitely covered a lot of ground i've learned a few things about corporation so at the end of the day uh, if people if there's someone listening who says i wonder if i should incorporate or i need to know a little bit more someone's still listening is <laughs> <laughs> is wondering that um what's the best way for them to uh, get in touch with you Right, send me an email, uh, mnoble at tmlegal.ca. You can send me a text at 613-929-9023 um, or um, call me at 
call the office here at 966-2620 and happy to chat. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I definitely appreciate your time and your insight into the interesting world of incorporation and corporations, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Perfect. This is your host, Galen Nuttall. Thank you for joining me at A Clean Bill of Wealth, the podcast for Canadian doctors. I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to check out my free video series at galenhelpsdocs.com, where I debunk some of the myths around wealth generation for Canadian doctors. Take care and talk to you soon.